Some of you, if, you, if you're here every Sunday, you know, I know you've heard this several times. I really quickly want to go over what we're, what we're doing with this impact initiative, uh, just, just so everyone can be on, this, on board. Not everyone can come every single Sunday. And so I'm um, actually talking with a regular uh, couple that's here all the time, but they just hadn't been able to get here the last few times. And so that's why we keep repeating this. But we want to talk about uh, this impact initiative. It's based off this verse, Acts 17, 6, where the Christians show up. And the, the religious leaders say, uh-oh, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. We know that the Lord wants to turn Thomasville and Thomas County, this region, upside down for him and create a positive impact. And so one of the ways that, that we're, we're trying to expand, we're trying to expand our classes, trying to make room for children, trying to make room for more adults, we are basically out of room at this point. Um, it doesn't feel like it right now because you're in the first service, second service. How many of you have been to second service? Yeah, it's pretty packed. And so, so we, we, we have a, a vision of, uh, of building a new sanctuary in the grassy area right out there, repurposing this uh, area for uh, children's ministry, or if we were able to build big enough, we could repurpose this as a fellowship hall. Uh, and so we're really praying into that. Um, and so we've actually got different tiers of giving that we're trying to reach. Uh, the, the impact amount, which this is the get us started amount, is 500000 Greater impact is actually our debt load. We owe seven sixty. If we could get rid of this debt, we would be free to really seek the Lord and figure out what our next steps are. Um, and then uh, maximum impact is, is $1.5 million, which is the cost of a new sanctuary and renovations of of this area here. And so we're believing God for these things. Uh, we actually have a dream in our heart of a two-story building with sanctuary, children's rooms, youth rooms, classrooms, everything we need to make the impact we want. It's really expensive, $3.2 million. But you know what? Uh, God's got that. I don't have it, but God's got it. And this was his idea. Uh, it's not my idea. It's a lot easier for me if we don't do this, just being honest with you. Um, but, but I believe that the Lord is, is calling us to move forward and to make an even greater impact in our area. And so that's what we want to do. So I'm asking four things of, of you. If you consider yourself a part of VFC, uh, there's four things. First of all, in two weeks, March 5th, we're bringing our first fruits offering. This is your best and your first. This is the offering. It's going to hurt a little bit. It stretches you a little bit. It's a sacrificial offering. It, if, if your first fruits doesn't make you think, oh, okay, then it's probably not a first fruits. <laughs> okay? Uh, Tiffany and I have shared uh, that we, uh, I'm selling my Jeep. I'm cashing out of my Jeep, and I'm, I'm giving, uh, our goal is to give $15,000 to the church through the sale of that Jeep, and then I'll get something uh, that, that will get me to where I'm going with a good sound system. That's my criteria. Um, and Because uh, you got to have a good sound system. So that's our goal. So we will be giving uh, $15,000. Uh, I didn't think I had $15,000. I don't have it sitting in my savings account, but I did have it, and the Lord revealed that to us. And so we're super excited. I can't wait. I'm ready for that to be over and done and can't wait till I place that check in the offering basket. Um, the second thing is to commit to an additional amount, regular amount over the next three years. This is a three-year vision, um, and so we've, we're looking at where we've come from in the last three years, and we're looking to the next three years. And so um, Tiffany and I tithe. We give 10% of our gross income, but we also want to uh, commit to a certain amount above and beyond that. So we're still praying through that, either an additional percentage or a certain amount. So that's honestly the key to making this happen. I know the big gifts are all 
sexy and like, wow, $15,000. But really, it's everyone doing something on a regular basis that's going to get this done. Okay, And so really, really pray about that, which leads me, look, I need you to promise to pray. Look, you can do that. Even if the money stuff freaks you out, I understand there's been a lot of churches that's misstewarded funds. And, and I, I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, I'm not willing to back down from what I believe the Lord's calling us to do because of it. And so I I need you to promise to pray. I need you to promise to pray. I need you to ask the Lord what your role is. I need need for you to pray that the Lord will have his way um, in this situation. And uh, I I know you guys are doing that. We're actually in the middle of a fast. um, And so uh, we are fasting collectively as a church, and we're seeking the Lord. If you have questions on that, I talked about it a little bit last week. um, Or just Google fasting. Um, And then number four. Uh, number four is we're going to continue to be VFC. One of my, my biggest issues when I felt the Lord telling us to do this um, was like, Lord, I, I, I've heard of churches losing their soul, so to speak, when they do a building program of sorts. And, and, and they like change who they are. And I said, Lord, I, the only way I will do this is if you promise me that we're not going to change the culture and the DNA of VFC. Uh, and so that's, that's my, my promise to you guys is that as we do this, as we um, seek the Lord and as we ask him to, to use us to fulfill his plan, that we're going to continue to be, be VFC. We're going to continue uh, to preach the word, to get people saved, get people healed, right? Love others regardless of where they came from. And so um, before I get to the message, last thing, I want to make sure everyone has information. We've got booklets um, that have all this information detailed, uh, and inside of it is an envelope called Impact that, that you'll bring in two weeks where you can give your first fruits and make your commitment for the next three years. So uh, if you need one, if you don't have this, if you just raise your hand, just right there where you are, our ushers are ready, and they'll bring one to you. Just raise your hand. Hi, there you go. Yeah, good, good, good. Got one there, back there. Anyone else? Okay, cool. Good deal. Sweet. All right. Are y'all ready to get into the word? All right, sweet. Uh, one other thing I just want to tell you, uh, Cynthia mentioned that we're having Jack Taylor come. Have you, has anyone ever heard of Jack Taylor? Um, he, okay, so he's, he's, it's kind of cool that we have him. He's not like a big name necessarily, but all the big names you've heard of use his stuff. All right, he's like a father of the modern charismatic renewal, and um, he's spoken at all the big churches, uh, the big spirit-filled churches you've heard of. He's spoken at those, um, and so he just released a new book, and we're super excited. He's like really old, which is super cool. I can't, I can't wait to the. the I mean, I, there should probably be a better way of me saying that, but like he's like eighty. I mean, I mean, I think once you're eighty, is isn't that right? Is that really old? She's like, no, that's not really old. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, so, but, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really pumped. I feel like it's the Lord. We were praying about it with the leadership. You know, it's right in the middle of impact. And should we have Jack come? And then all of a sudden I thought, well, the devil didn't send him. So, you know, I think it's going to be a good thing. So, um, but we, we are going uh, to continue talking this morning um, about making an impact. And, and the title of the sermon this morning is Imperfect Impact. And I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is the point. If you don't get anything else, get this. You do not have to be perfect to make an impact. Amen. That's the point. I've given you the main point. All right, don't tune out the rest. I'm going to illustrate this. But you don't have to be perfect to make 
and impact, okay? And, and I, I want to look at the life of Peter. Peter, and I've talked about Peter before. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because I see myself in him so much. And I think that you will too before the day is over. And so I want to give you a quick warning because of time. I'm not going to read every single uh, verse that I've got up on the screen. I encourage you to take notes, take pictures, whatever you need to do. And you can go back and read more about this stuff. But a lot of it I'm just going to be paraphrasing for the sake of time. But Peter made significant impact. Let me tell you a little bit about him first. Um, His name was Simon. That was his born name. And then Jesus renamed him to Peter, which is the word in his name in Greek. And his his name in Aramaic, which is what they actually spoke, was Cephas. If you've ever seen Peter called Cephas. And that's Peter and Cephas are the same thing. They mean rock, just two different languages. It's like John and Juan. Okay? So same name, Peter and Cephas. His original name was Simon. Simon means wishy-washy. It means can't make a decision. It means won't commit. And the word Peter or Cephas means a rock, all right, a rock, solid, something that you can build on top of. Peter was a fisherman. Um, He actually met Jesus. Jesus went to go preach on a lake because your voice would carry on the water. They didn't have microphones, so you'll find often Jesus on a boat preaching because the water would carry his voice, or he would get up on a hill and he would talk, you know, kind of down in that direction so people could hear him. So he just gets on a boat. They're cleaning their nets. And uh, you can read about this in Matthew. But, um, and, and, and he says, hey, let me use your boat. And Peter goes, okay. <laughs> he lets him go on the water, listens to his sermon, and follows him. Pretty cool. Um, we know he was married. All right, we know he was married because Jesus prayed for his mother-in-law, and she got healed. Um, and so you know you really love your wife when you pray for your mother-in-law. Right, guys? Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, he was an uneducated fisherman. He was not one of those that was, that was in church, in the synagogue, um, studying the scriptures all the time. He was out making a living. He's a blue-collar guy. Okay? He's, he's, he's just a regular dude. Um, but... As he followed Jesus, he left everything, and he became part of the inner circle of Jesus. There were three that were super close, and it was Peter, James, and John. We know there were seven to, uh, 12 disciples, but there were three in Jesus' inner circle, 12 disciples, which later became apostles, and then there were 70 that he sent on a missionary journey, and then Jesus actually appeared to over 500 after he was raised from the dead. So we think of disciples, we only think of 12, but there were many more, and there was a core group, and Peter was a part of that core group. He went on to be the leader of the church, um, even though Jesus' brother James um, was, uh, was the pastor at Jerusalem, Peter was kind of over uh, all of it, um, the leader of the apostles, and um, he, he led the effort to preach the gospel to the Jews. Okay, So Paul went to... The Gentiles and Peter went to the Jews, and, uh, and we'll see a little bit of, of their, uh, how they interacted some. Um, some pretty amazing things you see up on the screen behind me. Uh, the first New Testament sermon after Jesus died and was resurrected was preached by Peter in Acts 2, and 3,000 get, people get saved. It's the birth of the first megachurch. I know megachurch is like a bad word. These are some megachurch. Well, the first megachurch happened after the first sermon. 3,000 souls got saved is what Scripture says, okay? And, um, and, and, and so they began to disciple them and, and, and begin to teach them. Um, I think it's interesting that they counted the number of people that got saved. That's great. You know, you got to know what God's doing, right? 
Absolutely. Um, in Acts chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 9, I have the references up there. Peter did some amazing miracles. The, the one in chapter 3 is the, the lame man when Peter and John, they're going to the temple. He says, silver and gold, have I not, but what I do have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right? And, and so it was, it was great, one of the first great miracles done by the apostles. Peter actually did that one. Uh, in, in chapter 5, Peter's shadow, now get this. Now don't just, just pass, think about this. Peter's shadow would heal people. They would put, as he would walk down the road, and the sun was high enough to cast a shadow, they would put people close so that his shadow would pass over them, and as soon as it passed over them, he was healed. Whoa, that's crazy, right? So amazing things would happen. Uh, chapter 9, another lame man gets healed, and then Peter actually raises a girl from the dead. So amazing miracles are happening through the life of Peter, right? Ma- major significant impact. He was actually, even though he ended up ministering to the Jews more than the Gentiles, he was the first to go to the Gentiles. Uh, he met in Acts chapter 10 a man named Cornelius who is not Jewish and uh, preaches to him. They all, he and his servants get saved and the Holy Spirit is kind of funny. If you read the whole chapter, Peter keeps trying to teach and the Holy Spirit just interrupts. And they all get baptized spontaneously in the Holy Spirit. And I guess he's just sitting there like, okay, cool. All right, I guess I didn't need to preach that long, right? He also wrote two books of the Bible, First and Second Peter. Okay? Uh, and so this is a man, I think we all can agree, that had major impact, right? Right? Well, I need to let you know something. Peter was imperfect. Peter, as a matter of fact, was very imperfect. And I kind of feel bad. I hope he's not watching this from heaven. Because I'm about to let air all of his dirty laundry right now in front of you. But I didn't do it. Really, his friends writing the Gospels did it. So I'm just repeating what, okay, I'm just repeating what they said. But Peter was very imperfect, and, and we're just going to kind of run through these things. And maybe you see yourself in some of these, but Peter was inconsistent. Peter was very inconsistent. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23, he's, Jesus is um, talking with his disciples, and, and he says, hey, who, who do people say that I am? And Peter, who tended to be the spokesperson for the group, says, well, you, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus says, that's awesome, Peter. He goes, you know what? Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Good job. And don't you know, Peter was like, yeah. Jesus said, good job. I heard from God, y'all, right? I mean, that was a total win. Total win. He names Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus is like, you got it. You got it. Just a few verses later, Jesus is saying, all right, guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. And then Peter, very confident because he had just heard from God, says, no, 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 no. Far be it from you, Lord. These things will not happen. What does Jesus say to, to him? He says, Get behind me, Satan. So from one moment to being the guy that gets the revelation to the next moment, right, Jesus is having to say, get behind me, Satan. Satan. Call him Satan. How inconsistent, right? How many of you have ever dealt with inconsistency in your walk with the Lord? You're not alone. Peter was inconsistent. Peter was also overconfident. 
Peter was overconfident. I love this passage, Luke 22. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, he's calling him by his old name, wishy-washy, wishy-washy, non-committal person. Because Satan has asked, he has demanded for your soul, but I prayed for you. Which, by the way, is interesting. You'd think Jesus would say, but I won't let him. No, I'm praying for you. You've all got to face your battle. But, but I'm praying for you that he will not sift you as wheat. Peter's response should have been, thank you so much, Jesus. Please pray for me. I don't, wanna, I don't want the devil to trip me up. Thank you. But instead, Peter's response was, I will never leave you, Lord. I'm willing to die for you. And Jesus says, hey, man, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. Okay? And so, uh, so Peter was overconfident. Peter was overconfident. I know none of you are overconfident sometimes, right? Well, if you are, it's okay. Peter was overconfident. Peter talked too much. Peter talked too much. Uh, so this is, this is transfiguration. So there's a moment where the, 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 the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, go up with Jesus, and all of a sudden they're praying. Now just imagine this. All of a sudden... Jesus transfigures from the Son of God in flesh to just the Son of God. And it's bright, and it's crazy, and it's amazing. And they're like, whoa. And Moses and Elijah show up, and Jesus is talking with these saints that have gone before. Now, if that ever happens to you, what you need to do is be quiet. And just let it happen and think, thank you, Lord, for letting me be here and me not dying. What Peter did is he goes, he goes, wow, this is amazing. All three of you here at once. Let's build three memorial altars to each one. And all of a sudden, God has to shut them up. God, the God, the Father from heaven, shouts down and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> That's hilarious. The dude talked too much. Does anyone talk too much? Now, if I see husbands and wives, you know, elbowing each other, come on. Yeah, of course. Of course. He was a very verbal person. And those of you that struggle with your mouth, with talking too much, you can rest assured that you've got someone in Scripture who made major impact but was imperfect just like you. He talked way too much. He talked way too much. Peter was violent. Peter was actually very violent. In John 18, it talks about when, when Jesus is betrayed by Judas. And, and he, Jesus had told them what was going to happen. But they didn't want it to happen. They were still trying to establish a political uh, coup. They were still trying. They still thought that the kingdom had to do with politics and not with eternity. So they get Jesus. They apprehend him. They've got him. And so Peter draws his sword and cuts off the ear of this poor guy named Malchus. Now, I don't know. I assume he was actually going for his neck <laughs> and just had bad aim. Because I don't know what the purpose of cutting off some dude's ear. You're losing your ear today. I mean, I don't know what the, <laughs> what the benefit of that is. And Jesus goes, Peter, are you kidding me? This is my paraphrase. Are you kidding me? Picks up the ear. All right? Aren't you glad fourth and fifth graders are in here? Picks up the ear, puts it on the dude's head, prays for it, and his ear's back. Isn't that amazing? God healed the very people 
trying to send him to his death. But Peter was violent. All right? Y'all think I'm done, but I'm not done. There's a whole other list. Peter didn't understand. This, this is really, really funny to me. John 13, 6 through 9. This is at the Last Supper, and Jesus is about to wash the feet of the disciples. Okay? It's a really amazing, sacred, holy moment. And Jesus, the Son of God, is, is, is kneeling at the feet of his own disciples and saying, let me serve you. And he's, he's modeling kingdom leadership, by the way. If you think being in leadership means that that, that makes you popular or you should be revered, um, it's the opposite. Kingdom leadership is service to other people. The, the ladder in the kingdom doesn't go up. You don't climb the ladder, you climb down. And so, so Jesus is trying to wash the feet of the disciples, and Peter says, you're not washing my feet. You're too holy. You're, I don't deserve that. And Jesus goes, look, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. And he goes, well, then wash my hands and my head and all of me. And Jesus is like, okay. I'm, I'm not trying to give you a bath here. Peter, just take off your shoes. Let me stink and wash your feet. Like you can read it. Like, seriously, he's like, look, no, I just need to wash your feet. Shut up, Peter. And he didn't understand what was going on. And sometimes we don't understand what's going on, do we? Peter tried and failed. Matthew 14, Peter walked on the water, right? Now, hey, I got to give the guy props. I mean, he's the only one that got out of the boat. But he's also the only one that fell. And Jesus picked him up. I've shared this before, but Peter actually walked on the water twice. First time by himself, he fell. Second time, arm in arm with Jesus, they both got back in the boat, which is the way it's meant to be. When you do the supernatural, when you do kingdom business, you do kingdom business with Jesus. With Jesus. Peter also denied Jesus. Now, you guys know about this. Matthew 26, there's actually three times that Peter denies Christ. Uh, two slave girls, which had no, should not have been intimidating at all to him. These people, these slave girls, first of all, uh, 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 sorry, ladies, I hate to tell you this, but back then a woman's testimony couldn't even be taken in court. It wasn't valid testimony. So it's not like if they said anything, they could use their testimony. But, but they said, hey, you're from Galilee. You're with them. And he goes, no, no, I'm not. And each time he goes, no, I'm not. And then finally some other people say, you're with them. And he, 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 swear, he, he swears and it's not like he didn't like necessarily drop a bomb. What he's doing, he's, he actually curses himself. Like, may I be cursed if I'm telling a lie, which was a really big deal in their culture. And he lies. And he goes, I, I don't even know the guy. And then the rooster crows. Whew. Some of you guys have denied Jesus, haven't you? You have. In your former life, some of us are trying our best to, 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 to live uh, with Jesus, and we still deny him through our lifestyle. But the good news is, is that it's not unforgivable. It's not unforgivable. P- Peter denied Jesus. Peter was also a hypocrite, y'all. In Galatians chapter 2, uh, and again, I'm sorry for the sake of time, I, we can't look at it, but I promise you it's in there. Look it up. Please, you're always, you've got to look up everything I say. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth, please, okay? 
Peter was a hypocrite. In, in Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul actually confronts Peter in front of a bunch of other Christians and says, dude, you're being a hypocrite. See, Peter was first sent to the Gentiles, and then the Lord gave him a ministry with the Jews. And so as Gentiles started coming in to the faith, he would, at one point he would eat with Gentiles, people who were uncircumcised and who didn't follow the Jewish dietary laws. But then some of his friends who were Jewish showed up, and Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles because he didn't want to offend those people. And Paul said, dude, you're a hypocrite. Stop it. Look, this is after... And this is after he's like, like the leader of Christianity. He had to be called out. Peter was imperfect. Maybe, maybe you've been a hypocrite at times. Maybe, maybe you just really wanted to impress everyone with your spiritual knowledge. And you're like, well, yeah, I hear from God and <laughs> everything's great. And uh, well, I was reading the Bible this morning. And that's like the only time you read it in the past three weeks. But then you share everyone what your devotional was, Right? Come on. Peter was a hypocrite too. Peter was imperfect. You wouldn't think that you'd see these things from one of Jesus' closest disciples. But what happens? Why do we see Peter in leadership? Why do we see him being one of the most impactful people in all of Scripture? What changed from Peter's life? I got two things for you and I'm done. Two things, two things that changed in Peter's life. First of all, Peter received forgiveness. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. I say that about everything, but I feel like I really mean it right now. It's after Jesus is is resurrected, and there was actually an angel. The women come to the tomb. And, and he's declaring that Jesus has risen from the dead. And this is what the angel says. On orders from God, on orders from the Father, on orders from Jesus himself. This is what the angel says. Now go and tell the disciples, including Peter. What had just happened here? This is just, remember, Peter just denied Jesus three times. After in front of God and everyone saying, I will never deny you, Jesus. I'm willing to die for you. And then in front of just some slave girls, he denies Jesus. He hears the rooster crow. It says he goes off and he wept bitterly. We don't hear anything from Peter again. Until this moment, he's not mentioned again. And the angel says, look, go and tell the disciples And Peter ain't getting out of this. He has not done something so bad that I've forgotten him and I don't want him anymore. Go and tell the disciples, including Peter. And don't you know, we don't have record of it, but when Peter, when they got Peter and they said, look, man, the angel specifically named you. You haven't haven't screwed this up so bad that you're out. Come back in. Don't you know that at that moment, Peter knew that he was forgiven. He finally got it. It's, it's, it's not about being perfect. It's about being available. Here's the other thing that I see in, in Peter's life. Peter answered the call. Let's turn to John chapter 21. You've probably heard this talked about if you've been in church for a while. John chapter 21, 15 through 19 Peter, this is a funny story. So, so Jesus appears to everyone, and, and 
Peter's like, I'm, I'm going fishing. I know I'm forgiven, but I'm just going to go fishing. This is what I do. This is what I know. Many of us, when we feel disillusioned spiritually, we just go back to what we know. And so they're having a hard time fishing, and nothing's, nothing's being caught. Actually, so this scripture actually says Peter's fishing naked. I think I have a picture up here. I no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Weird. Why would he? I don't know. He's an interesting dude. So Peter's, Peter's fishing. He actually, Jesus calls out to him from the shore. And he goes, hey, little kids. So Jesus, he's messing with them. See, y'all think Jesus is all holy and serious all the time. He's not. He goes, hey, kids. Little girls. That's really what the, what the phrase could be translated as little girls. Try the other side of the boat. That's <laughs> really what he says. And they're like. Who is this guy? Try the other side of the boat. The fish is so much that the net's breaking. Peter, John goes, it's the Lord. And Peter goes, puts on his clothes. It's, I'm telling you, it's what scripture says. Puts on his clothes, jumps in the water, and swims to shore. That night, actually that morning, it was, it was morning time. For breakfast, they were cooking fish. I know, weird, their culture. And, and, and Jesus asks Peter, question verse 15 after breakfast jesus asked simon peter simon son of john he called him hey uncommittal one am i going to be able to get you to commit now simon son of john do you love me more than these these what these fish remember he just he went back to his regular job he went back to what he knew he went back to his normal lifestyle he's not saying do you love me more than the other disciples that doesn't make any sense he's saying do you love me more than these fish these fish that you caught. I just provided so much fish, you couldn't even reel it in. And I can do that, but do you love me more than these? Are you willing to live for more than these fish? Are you, are you willing to live for more than the big catch? And Peter says, you know I love you. Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question again. Simon, son of John, still, hey, uncommittal one. Can I get a commitment from you? Do you love me? Jesus is using the word agape here. Do you love me? Do you, the God kind of love. Peter says, Less, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He uses a different word. He, he uses the, the word uh, filio, which means friendship kind of love. It's, it's a, like a level down. Why? Why was, why was Peter answering that way? Because he still felt guilty. God, Jesus was saying, do you love me with a God kind of love? And he goes, well, you know I, I like you. I mean, I didn't love you enough to not deny you. I didn't love you enough to, to do everything right, evidently. You know, I'm just a fisherman, Jesus, remember? Third time, and it, and it wasn't lost on Peter that the same amount of times as the, Jesus asked him, it's the same amount of times that he denied Christ. He says, Simon, third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time because he knew. He knew what the third time signified. He was, he was drawing attention to his denial. Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know what Peter did? He fed his sheep. In that moment, he became 
the man that God was calling him to be. He answered the call. He first received the forgiveness of God, and you have to do that first. If you try to minister and you don't know that you're forgiven, you're going to screw everything up because you've got this fatherless mentality. And, 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 and you're going to try to impress everyone with your ministry. Look at my ministry and how good I'm doing because you, you, are, you don't feel accepted by God. You've got to, be, you got to know that you're forgiven first. You've got to know that you're son or daughter of God first. And then when you begin to minister, then you become that crazy preacher that saves 3,000 in one day. That amazingly supernatural apostle that raises people from the dead. But you've got to know that you're forgiven. I'm ending. Peter's... Peter's last words to us, at the end of 2 Peter, he says something so interesting. And I think it's what Peter would say to us today. Those of us that want to make an impact, those of us that want to be who God's calling us to be, and we feel held back by our imperfections, we we feel like we're not good enough. Guess what, guys? I can answer that question for you. You're not good enough. Not a single one of us are. I'm not. The only reason I'm able to stand up here and preach to you is because God's given me the grace to do it. I haven't earned it. But what would Peter say to you? It's what he said to you. The end of 2 Peter, the very last thing he says, it says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Your job is to grow. Your job is to grow. What does that mean? It means tomorrow you're going to be a little bit closer to the Lord than you were today. Tuesday, you're going to be a little bit closer than you were on Monday. Wednesday, a little bit closer than you were on Tuesday. Every day, step by step, little bit by little bit, from glory to glory, you grow in the grace of God. See, I need you to understand, God is not wanting perfection from you. He's wanting connection with you. And that's what Peter would say to us today. As we as a church want to make an impact, he's saying, look, don't make perfection your aim. You're going to miss. But make growth your aim. And Jesus has given you his word. He's given you the Holy Spirit to guide you and to talk to you. You can do it. Know that you're forgiven. Receive and accept the call of God and then choose to grow. Amen? Amen? Let's stand for prayer.